0: Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon.
1: Well, hello and welcome. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at The Ridge, and I'm also your host for this special edition of Beyond the Sermon. Just recently, we held a women's gathering here at the church, and our guest speaker that evening was actually my mom, Carol Heron. Carol has been involved in ministry and teaching in different parts of the world for many years now. And on this particular evening, she shared some of her own story and the amazing ways in which God has worked in her life. She also reminded us of the importance of community, those people God places around us to encourage and challenge us in our walk with Him. So join me as we listen in together to Carol's timely message. Well, if you're going to have a theme called Generations... It's probably a good idea to have someone old enough to have generations. And in me, you've got that. Because spiritually speaking, there are at least five generations that I have been involved with within my own family unit that God has blessed and the blessing has come down the generations. And of course, that's physically, we're talking about physical generations. But how appropriate tonight that I'm here and my son is here and my grandchildren are here. I have five children, 14 grandchildren and one great grandson. And tonight I thought that I would tell you some of my story because I've got an unusual story. I've done a lot of adventuring with Jesus. um, And so I suppose it's not sort of common a garden, but it is a story of generations as well, because we don't do anything alone, do we? And we end up with mothers and fathers in God and brothers and sisters and people who become extended family. Nothing happens for us all really on our own. That's good, the blessing. So when I was just thinking about tonight, there's just a passage of scripture that I I I thought, you know, that it was something that I would be praying for you, but I just absolutely loved it because it's about growing up in God. And it's in Colossians. So I've just got my Bible open, if you've got one, um, open in the first couple of chapters of Colossians. I'm only going to read a small part of it. And this is the Apostle Paul praying for people that he'd never met. For this reason, he says, since the day we, me and my companions heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, Please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves um, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That would be my heart for you. And it would certainly be the sort of thing that i have been praying for the ridge anyway. So, I don't come from a Christian family. I don't have a Christian background. I didn't go regularly to Sunday school. And as I grew up, I grew up in a family. Um, My father was in the army during the war and then he joined the police. My father was in the flying squad at Scotland Yard in London. My mother was a fashion consultant. My youngest sister was an air stewardess. And my middle sister was a very famous model. When I went to work in the morning, I worked right on the Thames Embankment near the Houses of Parliament. When I went to work, my sister's pictures were all down the underground because she did advertising for Max Factor and Yardley and goodness knows what else. Um, And we lived on the outskirts of London. And um, at the age of 20... I had my life all planned out. I was engaged to marry somebody. Um, My sisters and I, we were part of a youth group that became very famous. And we were singing at night. I was working all day. And then I was singing in all the hotels and clubs and pubs and everywhere. And my father had policemen all over London keeping an eye on his girls (laughs) so that we didn't get into any trouble. But my life was full. And then one day, my younger sister came home from school. She was just 15 at the time. And their RE teacher decided he was going to take all his classes, RE classes, to Earl's Court, which is a huge place in London, because Billy Graham had arrived and was going to do uh, meetings in Earl's Court, thousands of people. And my mother looked at me and she said, she isn't going by herself. Now, girls, I'm the eldest in my family. It is the pits if you are the eldest, <laughs> because if you've got boyfriends, you still take them all with you wherever you go. <laughs> and I had to, I, I mean, I ended up chaperoning my sisters everywhere. So, At the age of 20, I found myself sitting with about 12,000 people, maybe more than that, in Olds Court. And I didn't want to go. I said to my mother, I'm not going. Even when I was at the underground station, I bought myself a book to read while they did their singing and preaching, Your horoscope for 1966. And I just thought, oh my goodness, God, you've got such a sense of humor. And there I was. And they were singing, this is my story. This is my song. I hated every minute of it. They were praying. They were praising. People were in the aisles. And then Billy Graham got up to preach. And that was it. Almighty God drew near. And he just put his hand on me. And my whole life went before me like a video. And I realized I didn't know anything. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I was going. And all these plans I made, my heart wasn't really in any of it. And then, of course, he started to talk about our hearts and the sinful nature. And I thought, well, that's me, describing me. I know what I'm doing that my mother doesn't know about. I know who I am. And when he said, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seats tonight, because right now God has a new life for you. And you can come down the front and you can hand your life over to God, and He will make it new, and He will give you a totally new direction. And do you know what? I knew nothing about anything. I got up out of my seat, went down the front of what I was called, and I prayed the first prayer of my life that I was aware of, an actual prayer, and that was it. And this passage I've just read in Colossians, he rescued me from the kingdom of darkness and he he brought me into the kingdom of light. Uh, Another verse says, um, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old is gone, new has come. I, I remember sitting on my bed at night and I just said, well, God, how do you pray? I don't know. How do you talk to God? I don't know how you talk to God. And I just said, well, here I am and here you are and <laughs> we're just going to see how we're going to run. I mean, I, I didn't, I did not know any Christians and I'm saying this because maybe some of you have been there, done it, bought the t-shirt. Being Christians talk to language, I didn't know. And church was a place that was part of my culture, but it wasn't part of my heart life, as it were. And I... Again, tonight's about generations. I want to say thank you, God, for being in the right place at the right time. Because in the place where I worked, there was a Christian union. There was a Christian group who were praying. And when they discovered that people were getting saved at the Billy Graham crusade, they started a prayer meeting. They started a small group. And I want to tell you, I was rough around the edges You know what the workplace language is like. This was my mouth. It took God a couple of years to clean me up. (laughs) But I bless God for those amazing Christian mothers and fathers in God who opened the Bible and showed me where to start, who bought me books and said, this will help. Someone who sat down and, and said to me, "How are you feeling, Carol?" I said, "I feel like I've been taken to the moon and left there." And he he said, "Dear, can I tell you what the Bible says?" And he opened up the Bible and explained what being born again was. I said, "That's it. I feel not me." I feel like I'm someone else. And he said, well, you are. You're now God's precious child. And God has such a plan for you, Carol. God has such a plan for you. Oh, my goodness, what a good job. I didn't know what it looked like at that time. Because very shortly, I met a man from Donagatee. Could I have just these slides up? we're talking about beginnings. Could I have the next one? Yeah, that's my wee, the new wee great-grandson. I'm one of my grandchildren. And um, this is about beginnings, isn't it? You've got to begin somewhere. You've got to get birthed. And I met a man who lived in Northern Ireland. I started witnessing to a guy in work and he said to me, you need to come and meet my mates. They had been demobbed from the army. He was a professional musician. And my husband, Gerald, had been alcoholic and had an encounter with Jesus and got healed. And when I met him, he said to me, I'm going to serve God. I thought that that's a great way to ask a girl out. Isn't it really? (laughs) You know, just, I I want you to know that if you're going to come out with me, this is where my life's going. (laughs) But you know what? By that time I knew in my heart, my life was totally given to him and he kept speaking to me about purpose Position for purpose. Carol, I've got a, a, a unique plan, as he has for all of us. Totally unique plan. And the plan for Gerald and I, the next plan was Bible college. And that was just the next step. God just said, go to college, start preparing. Honestly, I had never been in a place like the flat we lived in, in Glasgow. There was poverty, there was fleas. We had no furniture, we just were newlyweds. We slept on a carpet for a while. Then we found a mattress in a local shop for about $5 and then we slept on that. (laughs) And honestly, it was like being in nursery. You know what nursery is like? When babies are new, they have to be taught how to walk, how to feed themselves. And do you know what? Growing up in God is like that. And that flat, being in college, learning to trust God, it's more or less God saying, are you up for this? I will teach you. I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will instruct you in the way that you should go how will we pay the fees? These were my prayers. How will we pay for the fees, God? How will we feed ourselves? How will we pass exams when we've no job and just a bit of money? And you know, all of that time in college, God met needs. He gave us furniture. I mean, did you know God's into real estate? Did you know that God's into furniture? Did you know that God's into bringing takeaway meals to your house when you're praying for food? And you know, it was just, it was just the start. Why was it so difficult? It was difficult because God had a jungle waiting for Joe and me and our kids. Listen, if you've not learned nursery school lessons, you are not going to learn the lessons of a jungle. And this is what the generations are about, because those that know teach those that don't know. And while we were in Bible college, I became pregnant in our Old Testament year, and Esther, our first daughter, arrived And you know, in that Bible college, there was an old matron. And when she saw that I was expecting a baby, she paid for our dinners for a whole year because she knew that as a mum, I needed to eat. And I knew it was her. She never said, but I knew she did it. And This is the generations, isn't it? This is the right people in the right place at the right time. And, you know, we work with a mission to fishermen around the coast of Great Britain. And then, oh my goodness. Gerald and I, we got a letter from a friend of ours who was a missionary right in the state of Amazonas in Brazil. And he just simply said, You gotta come. You guys have gotta come. We're preaching. We're ministering. There are so many people getting saved. We need you here. Please come. And my husband, he handed it over and he said, What do you think? I said, i think this is god a macedonian call my mum and dad laughed because my dad said to me you guys haven't got enough money to go on holiday let alone go to brazil and look at the car you're driving i mean we were driving a car that you had to pray over before you po- you started the engine i mean it was it was desperate and you know it took seven years from Bible college to getting on a plane. And on the day we got on that plane to Brazil, God had put everything in place. He had put finance in place. He had put people in place. We had a whole team of people who made our ministry possible. We didn't go just a little family. We had three little girls by that time. Esther was four and a half. Ruth, who's with me um, here in the USA, she was three. Judith was a baby. I carried her on the plane. And God had made provision. We got on the plane Absolutely convinced that God was taking us to a jungle. At this point, I want to tell you, I failed French at school. So the thought of learning Portuguese, I mean, honestly, miracle time for me. I wasn't very good at languages. Could I have the next slide there, please? Um, This, I just wanted I had to put this up. This is Pixie. If you live in a jungle, most of the jungle lives with you. It's not like they're outside your house. They're in your house. But I'm also married to a man who, for whom Noah would be his dream job. Not, not too many people, but lots of animals. It's sort of four legs are better than two, really. Um, and going to the jungle and having a boat because he built a boat um, and surrounded, he's an ornithologist, re- surrounded by Birds that he'd only seen stuffed in the British Museum absolutely blew his mind. This bird used to come on travels with us. So the bird would sit on the wheel of our boat on the boat and the bird's wings would go out and as the wind blew through all its feathers, you could see it thought it had died and gone to heaven. Me, I was in the back with the kids and we were heading down the river one day. You won't tell him I told you this. This stupid bird jumped up in the air and got so excited and did not come down again. It went straight over the side of the boat. Kids started screaming, Dolly daddy, Pixie's dying. Pixie's dying. And this man of mine, Noah or Tarzan, whichever you like, (laughs) I'm Jane. Tarzan says, take the wheel. I thought, take the wheel. Take the wheel. And we're, we're, I mean, the Amazon is huge. And we were on a tributary and we were flying down the river. By this time, the birds are river in, in the water. And my man, he jumps straight over the side of the boat after this bird. And the kids are all leaning over the side of the boat, shouting, Pixie Daddy's coming! And uh, I'm grabbing the wheel. Turning the boat round and man and bird started to come towards me (laughs) and the kids are all over the side and he throws the parrot into the boat. The kids have got it wrapped in my good tea towels. Mouth to mouth. You didn't know you could do mouth to mouth on a parrot, did you? (laughs) Mouth to mouth on the parrot and I'm dragging the man over the side. I had visions of headlines in the paper. Local man dies in Amazon accident. Body never found. I mean, there's alligators and everything in the river. I grabbed him in the bottom of the boat, gasping for breath. I said to him, if you ever do that again, I didn't quite say, if I had a gun, I'd shoot you. It was really bad. Don't you ever do anything as stupid. You let the bird drown. You don't go over the side of the boat. And do you know what? Immediately, immediately, the Holy Spirit said to me, I did that for you. I came over the side of the boat. I lifted you up. I breathe my life in you, and I put you into the boat of my presence and purposes for you. You are in your boat, and I am in the boat with you. And the Amazon, oh my goodness, girls, the Amazon became a place where I grew up because the poverty. Oh my goodness. 60% 60% infant mortality rate where we were. More babies died than lived. And that was our boat. The one on the left is called the Cidade de Anori, And it was taking every single thing we possessed in the world up the river to where we were working. All our barrels, all our belongings, our kids and everything were on that boat. And as we were about, I don't know, a day's journey up the river, we hit a log and the boat started to sink. Now, you don't ring the fire brigade if you're in the Amazon jungle. You can't ring the fire brigade. There's nobody coming to rescue you. And do you know what? inside me, I thought, God, you did not work in our hearts and lives for seven slogged years and a whole year learning Portuguese. And here we are going up the river. Lord, you've got this. An enemy, you are going to regret the day You thought it was okay to drown me and our family and everything that we owned. You know, sometimes we forget there isn't flesh and blood that we're dealing with. And in the jungle, we saw the miracles. You know, our nearest hospital was 24 hours away. There was one boat a week out of the town. So if you were feeling ill or you had a bad delivery, you probably should do it on Friday (laughs) because that was the only way to get out. But what I discovered in that place was that God honors his word, that God hears prayer, that God works miracles, that when you say, give us our daily bread, God, a fish arrives out of the river. I always felt Jesus would have felt so at home in our wooden hut on stilts because it was like living the new Testament. And you know, Mike was speaking about a storm on the river where they thought the the boat was going down. That's happened to us. Then he met a demon-possessed man. Oh, you live in a jungle? You go to Africa? These things are part of life. Here in our part of the world, they tend to be hidden. But it's not that they're not there. There is an enemy. But there is one called Jesus who has a name above every name. We saw miracles All our kids at some point had disasters. One of our girls fell off a log and split open her head. And I knew it all needed stitching. Where was I going to go? To hospital? There wasn't one. Where was I going to go to get a doctor or anybody to help me? And I didn't think I could stitch it myself. Would you believe me if I told you that a, a boat pulled in and a young doctor got off the boat and he was going to be there just overnight. I just think, thank you, Lord. they are right in the middle of nowhere. A doctor has turned up. And all those years spent in the jungle gave me ministry. Tonight, if finance is a problem, I haven't got problems praying over that because God fed our whole family in the middle of nowhere. If it's illness, then this is a God who heals inside and out. It's wholeness. It's body, soul, and spirit. I haven't got a problem praying for that. If it's distress and grief... I haven't got a problem praying for that. The numbers of people that I've sat with as they've moved into eternity, people I loved and cared for, I believe that he's coming and he's coming for us. Grief journey, done that, been there, All the T-shirt. Is God able? Is he faithful? Yes, he is totally faithful. I just want to sort of bring this all together. These are some of my girls. Paul William has got four older sisters. How do you cope with that? But I I, I put those slides together just to say that nothing stays the same, does it? You know what? As, as God's people, we need to move on. There are times in our lives when... We can get stuck and we can build ourselves a house when God's saying, don't stay here, move on. I've got this, move on. And that is the girls in our house helping with corn, but that is them all grown up in all of their own lives. God has moved them all out. But you know what the Lord did? Miriam, on the right-hand side, was born in the wooden house in the mid- middle of the jungle. Um, what the Lord's done for us is that they all knew and know the Lord. That was the jungle's gift because they saw the miracles. Do you know, it wasn't just a book that I've got my diplomas and theology and everything in. No, it's not just a book it's real. Jesus is alive. It's not just a map. It's a territory. It's a country. <laughs> you know, it, it's absolutely real. Can I have just the last picture there? I just, I, I, I didn't have a lot of pictures here, but this was just part of the church here in, in Annery, um, And it was just starting. We were pioneering. There were three congregations when we left, but what I'm saying to you tonight, girls, is God does a work in us, not so that we can feel better, but so that we can give it away, so that we can share it, so that we can invest it and keep investing it. I mean, goodness me, I'm old, but I'm still, I'm still listening. What do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to say? Would you believe I was praying about what we should do today? And I had that Colossians further scripture was just on my mind. And I was saying to the Lord, where do I go with this? What do you want me to do? And you just wanted me to give me my testimony. William and Bridget took us out to some beautiful gardens And we walked in this place just to pay our money. And there was a lady sitting behind the counter. Would you believe she had a Bible opened? And would you believe she was reading this verse? And William looked at me. I said, happens to me all the time, these things. (laughs) I don't know about you, but, you know, I just say, Father, what do you think about this? And then all of a sudden... And girls, you sang one of the Billy Graham songs tonight, did you? You realize that? You didn't know my testimony. And as soon as I saw it, this is my story, this is my song. I thought, oh yeah, I'm back in Earl's court. And had the joy of ministering and Graham Lotz came to Northern Ireland. We did a huge women's event. We had 4,000 women turn up. We couldn't lead them to Jesus fast enough. It was just fabulous. But anyway, the lady behind the counter had Colossians. And I said to her, oh my goodness, look at you. And I said, you know what? That's my verse for tomorrow night. And she beamed. And she said, I'm getting ready for a Bible study we're doing tonight. And it's by Anne Graham Lotz. And I said to her, I'm a Benny Graham convert. He's my spiritual father. So what are our generations like? What are your generations like? I'm so thankful I have spiritual children. I have spiritual grandchildren because I'm mentoring missionary girls because I've been there and I've done it and I bought the t-shirt. I know what they're talking about. Bless them. They'll ring me from Cambodia or somewhere else. And they'll say, oh, Carol, you'll never guess what's happened. And I think, yes, I do. I know what's happened. Right, let's pray about it. Let's talk about it. And it's such a joy. And girls, for, the, for those of you who are older, do not think you're too old. Do not let the devil tell you you're finished and that they should start looking for somewhere smaller for you to live in. No, no, no. Our God thinks big. And these days, with all the technology, you do not have to leave a chair in your home to go to China, to go to wherever. You can visit every single state in the United States on one morning praying. And you can go physically there and say, God, I'm putting my hand on this map. They will get blessing today because I'm praying for them. Isn't that the truth? So it's big picture stuff. And what I want to do just to finish, because I, I, I... if i If I keep going i'll keep going, and you you can't do that, so would you let me pray this corinthian this Colossians prayer over you i'd love to do that um just to finish because we've got we've got uh, a few more other things that are going to happen so just let's let's do this together <laughs> so now, heavenly Father. <laughs> I just want to praise you and bless you, that you are a God who has a purpose for our lives. And it's not about us, it's about you. We want to lead a life that reflects your glory. And we are aware that some of us are a challenge and that growing up in God is a challenge. It's a lifetime's challenge, but our hearts are set upon the journey that you are going with us on. So, Father, for my sisters tonight, I am praying, God, you will fill them with the knowledge of your will. For this women's group, for this women's ministry, May they be led by your Holy Spirit. May they know exactly what it is you want them to do to the end of this year and into next year. May they have the right people in the right place at the right time. May they hear you clearly speaking to them. And Father, will you give them wisdom? What a day we need wisdom, God. It's a gift You gave it to Solomon. And Father, you are a generous God. None of us are Solomon, but we're asking you for the gift of wisdom for the ministries we have, but also for our families, for our relationships, for the schools our kids go to, for the community we live in. Wisdom, God, make us people of wisdom. Make us people who are understanding, Father. There is so much strife. There is so much warfare. Make us discerning. Make us understanding. And above all, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. (laughs) We so need your life in us. Heal us. Fill us and make us wise in all we do. Father, for those places in our lives that we are challenged over, we ask you for healing, for direction. Father, if we need help, Will you bring help alongside? Bring someone alongside us who will speak into our lives. Father, we want to be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might. Give us endurance. Give us patience. And Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that we're not alone. You are always with us. You've promised never to leave us or forsake us. But Lord, look at the family you've given us. Thank you for our friends and friendships and our families and our relationships. You are such a good God, and we worship
0: you. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at the Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.